CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Good evening, everyone. Right now on Options Action, after a strong start to the year, the market is set to face its next big hurdle, earnings season. And first up, the banks. We will chart the course ahead on them. Plus, is now the time to send your money abroad? The EEM trade hasn't been great this year, but could it bloom as we spring into the second quarter? And later, a look back at Lulu opening a corona ahead of Constellation's results and big bets against the small caps. In from Melissa Lee, I'm Tyler Matheson. Welcome, everybody. This is Options Action, live from the NASDAQ market site. And on, for, on the desk tonight, Mike Coe, Carter Worth, Tim Seymour. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to be with you. Well, we wrap up March trading with a look at some of the names seeing the most options action this quarter. Among them, Tesla, NVIDIA, Apple, Microsoft, and Meta. Heavy interest in a number of ETFs as well. Traders flooding into the SPY, uh, the Triple Qs, the Russell 2000, as well as corporate debt and gold. And markets finishing the quarter strong today. The uh, tech-heavy Nasdaq leading the surge, up nearly 17% for the quarter. The S&P jumping 7%. And the Dow attempting a turnaround, bouncing back from its October lows. I think it's nosed into positive. There it has. Positive territory by a third of a percent for the year so far. It was, as you probably know, a rough march for banks. The SVB collapse uh, sent shockwaves through the entire sector. The KRE Regional Bank ETF notching its second worst month on record. And the KBE locking in its fourth worst month ever. The volatility comes as we gear up for money center banks to kick off earnings in just a few weeks, the earnings season. Mike, you're focusing on those money center banks. What can you tell us? Yeah, uh, so we actually started adding some exposure to these. Obviously, look, banks have been knocked down, the regionals most notably. The regional banks, by and large, are sort of outside of our coverage universe, and that's a good thing, too, as it turned out. But uh, I think that there is some possibility. First of all, the money center banks are, are net beneficiaries of uh, basically deposit flows, and, and we are seeing that. I still think that they face some challenges, but if you think about potential balance sheet impairments, you know, CRE, I think, is the thing that most people are looking at, commercial real estate lending. And that is really the, the area that's covered by the regionals. And so the money centers don't have that much exposure to that. The other thing is that the money center banks have a very nice benefit in the sense that they don't really have to pay for their deposits the way the smaller banks do. Uh, and, you know, right now we're looking at one of the few places where you can pick them up in many cases, you know, where they were pre-pandemic or even somewhat cheaper. So uh, we do own most of the money centers. We've got J.P. Morgan. Uh, we've got Wells Fargo, actually, and City. These are all going to be announcing earnings. Uh, I think that if you're going to be in financials, uh, this is one of the places you could consider. I mean, before now, I think it was insurance. So Mike likes the money center banks. Carter, you have some nice charts to show us. Uh, what do you think of the, of the money center banks or, or others? Sure. Um, I mean, for my part, I think it's... Uh, it's risky. It's not good technique. Let me say it that way. Not to say that my technique is the technique to step in and buy this extreme weakness. 
Um, here, for instance, is a year-to-date index, and it really shows uh, three lines that are comparative. It's the MSCI European banks on the top, then you've got world banks, and then coming at the bottom there, you've got the BKX down 19%. Look at a two-year chart. It's the same story, just spread out over a long term. So I would do it this way. Um, it's weakness in European banks that I would take advantage of, but it's weakness in U.S. banks that I would stay away from. Tim? Banks are not going to re-rate, at least until they get through earnings and we get some sense. I think we're pricing in uh, credit dynamics, and banks have to prove it coming out of here. European banks, UBS, is a great total return play uh, and got stronger out of this crisis. Very interesting. Let's turn to commodities, should we? Uh, crude trying for a comeback uh, after a drop in March, but oil still down 6% for the year. The broader commodity space faring about the same. But, Carter, you say things might turn around from here. Why? Well, we've we got a one-year anniversary of the, of the peak, right? It was the Ukraine invasion in early March, where commodities in general, led by nat gas, sort of surged to epic levels. And then we are now at the point where, just as that was too far, too fast, this would be the reciprocal, sort of so bad it's good. You see on the screen there, that's the iShares commodity ETF. And those arrows, if you look at the next iteration, we have a 30% decline. Now, 30% is not a magic number, but if you look at the final chart, we are down to a level of support. And so it's down to the level that existed before COVID. And my thinking here is you play for a bounce. All right, Tim, your reaction? Well, as goes the dollar, as goes commodities, I think the dollar peaked in October. I think the dollar is going to be your friend. The dollar was not your friend in the first quarter after rallying back, but it's given back a lot. Uh, So we know that the price of oil for every 1% move uh, lower in the or higher in the dollar, it tends to be a 3 to 4% move lower in oil prices. Uh, I I would point to China, too. We got PMIs out of China this week. The manufacturing wasn't gangbusters, but China's a second half story. And, And I think in terms of the industrial production dynamics and the just the demand on commodities. China's going to be a very important player here. The dollar in China, we're going to drive it. FCX, I'm long. I think it rallies you know, back to those, those old highs. Mike, how would you play commodities here? Yeah, uh, you know, I like FCX, own FCX too. With respect to crude, I think it's interesting. You know, obviously the dollar dynamics that Tim was just talking about, there were some other dynamics on the option side that were playing in crude. Uh, essentially, one of the things that's interesting about options in the crude market is that it, it really has two big players. You have sort of the financial players, and then you have the industry players. And what ends up happening is you can get some convexity on the financial player side, and that can exacerbate moves. And I think that's some of what we were seeing. In addition to dollar strength hurting crude, uh, we also had a lot of uh, convexity on the financial side, and that was basically causing financial players to sell Uh, crude futures, I think, to hedge their downside exposure. So I I think that has been alleviated and I would be a buyer. All right. Let's wrap up the first quarter trading with a look at emerging markets. The global group underperforming the S&P 500 so far this year. It's up about 4 percent compared with the S&P's 7 percent gain. The real divergence apparent when you look at the last two years. The EEM down a whopping 26 percent, while the S&P 500 Well, it stays positive. Tim, what do you think? Well, as a guy that uh, ran EM hedge fund money for 13 years, uh, you know, there are these moments where you just cannot invest in a bad neighborhood. At times, EM has been that. I think it's it's a neighborhood now that makes a lot of sense for the dollar, uh, for sure. You've had a couple other things that maybe change the direction. That EEM, the biggest weightings are Alibaba, Tencent. The news this week and and the news around China, mega cap techs, uh, I think is something that that maybe you have. Is it going to help? It's going to help. The breaking up of these Seemingly... Seemingly, it's an investor-friendly, it's about, you know, 
putting more value into that. If you look at fund flows back into EM over the last couple of weeks, you've had about $3 billion into EM equity funds. Um, and I think it, look, it was a painful head fake. You've had so many of these in EM. This is an interesting time. Watch out for May, but for now, the trade in April is EM. How would you play uh, emerging markets, Mike, or would you? Yeah, so we, we actually got into this trade a little bit too early, I have to say. It was probably the most punishing area for us in uh, Baba, Baidu, and JD, uh, which we were catch, you know, basically we were in a couple of weeks. But I, I'm with Tim on this one. Uh, I think we got in a little bit early, but I, I think there's now an opportunity for others who haven't yet. Carter, you got any thoughts on emerging markets? Well, remember, they're, they're sort of chronic underperformers. Their relative performance to the S&P peaked in 2010. It's been underperforming since. But for my part, I like the KWEB. That's the Crane Shares CSI China Internet ETF. I think that's the place to be if you're going to do it. All right, guys. Thanks for everything. Is option action, options action. Check out our website and newsletter. There is more options action after this. Look at that. And newsletter and everything. Still to come. The current earnings season isn't over just yet. ConAgra and Constellation Brands set to report results next week. We've got strategies for both. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. All right, welcome back to Options Action, everybody. If you snack and drinks names on deck to deliver earnings, ConAgra Brands, Constellation, set to report later next week. And uh, Mike has uh, been laying out some trades on those names. Mike, let's kick it off with Constellation. How do I make money here? Yeah, okay. So uh, Constellation, this is a name that we own. As you mentioned, they're going to be reporting earnings uh, quite soon. Now, this is an interesting situation. The company is trading at a slight discount uh, to its own historical valuation and a much more material discount to the group. Uh, the bad news, I think, here is that the company has stumbled a little bit. Uh, we've actually seen some earnings disappointment the last three reported quarters. And, you know, another thing, this has kind of been uh, fairly dead money. I think Carter can probably speak to this, but you haven't seen a whole lot of progress other than the dividends you've received over the course of the last six years. Uh, that said, I think I am inclined after the recent declines to play it to the upside. Like I said, we own the equity, but if you want to play it with the options, I think a simple way to do that at relatively low cost would be to buy a relatively tight call spread. I was looking at the May 235, 245. You could spend less than a quarter of the $10 distance between those two strikes, spending about $2.35 a contract to make a bullish bet, risking about 1% of the current stock price to make a bullish bet uh, in case this quarter turns out a little better than the last three did. All right. Uh, so, Carter, you, your, your take on this one? I mean, six years is a lot of Coronas. <laughs> or somebody. <laughs> I think Mike characterized it so well. He, basically, this was one of the great winners of all time, and it's made no progress. It's the same price it was in 2017. So what you see there in the chart is that basically the COVID plunge, but it's recovered to its former high. But its former high, again, means you're unchanged for six plus years. If you look at a relative chart, so this is a ratio chart, the second one, it shows that the, the performance 
peaked again as far back as 2017. I don't like it. I think it's uh, we can do better. Find something more interesting. Tim. The Constellation acquisition of Medell was one of the great purchases of all time. It was a divestiture from the, the Anheuser-Busch getting bigger. And, and, but that was years ago. Right now, I, Mike said, it's underperformed. Um, Staples have underperformed. I love this company. I was long it, uh, you know, in the 240s. I did sell it at a decent time. Been waiting for my chance to get back in. I probably missed that chance 19 times. Very attractive. And, and the beer segment continues to grow quietly, slowly. But this is secular growth that, that I think is best in class. Let's move on to ConAgra, delivering results on Wednesday. Mike, how are you trading that one? Yeah, so uh, this isn't really a uh, group that's in favor that much. This is also a name that's trading uh, cheap to itself, cheap to its peers, and very cheap to the market. I mean, we are talking about something that's probably about 10 times forward at this point. Now, one of the challenges that the company saw is they saw some significant margin compression in the pandemic. Gross margins were just under 30% pre-pandemic, falling to about 24%. But it does appear that those are starting to normalize. And another thing that creates some support for the stock is the fact that right now it's paying uh, quite a high dividend, yielding over 3.5% right now. Uh, One of the things that's interesting about names like this is that the options premiums tend to be quite low. So I think one of the things you could look to do is simply to buy an out-of-the-money call. I was looking at the June 39s. Uh, Those only cost a little over 60 cents. But what's also interesting is that that uh, valuation and that dividend lend some measure of support to the stock. So if you didn't want to just lay out that premium and saw some measure of support at that $36 strike price, you could actually sell the downside put collect 80 cents. Net net, you're going to yield about 17 cents to maturity over the course of the next uh, couple of months. Worst case, the stock falls in, you're going to end up owning it uh, right around the recent lows, which was around 35 spot 83. Carter, your take on this one. What do you think of that trade? Well, the first thing we know, this is a very low ebb stock. It's got a beta of about 0.5. Look at this comparative chart from the absolute low of the financial crisis. Basically, the S&P has doubled the performance of Conagra. So is that an opportunity or is it a problem? The absolute chart is, is decent. And I think you play for a breakout, and you'll see that here next. We've been basically working, probing, trying to get through those highs, and I think we will. So in ways similar to Constellation, but whereas I don't think Constellation is going to do it, I think this one will. Tim. It's a free cash flow story. It's a diff story. These are companies that are going to be very defensive. Whenever the market decides to pull back, they tend to underperform during the moments like we've had in the first quarter. But, you know, it's a great story. Uh, I'm not sure I need to chase it here. All right, Mikey laid out a trade last week on Lululemon ahead of its earnings reports. The shares surged after a strong beat on the top and bottom line. The trade is firmly in the green. What are you doing now, Mike? Yeah, we actually targeted exactly the level that the stock shot up to. 360 was the top end of the call spread that we were in. You should follow us on Twitter because we updated this trade yesterday, actually, taking some profits because it actually has run essentially right up to our target there. All right, Tim, thought here. That's a tease, by the way, if I've ever yeah, heard one. we right. got to follow Mike yeah, on Twitter. Follow Mike should on Twitter. Be. They That's should right. all be following yeah. him. Uh, you know, Lulu, to me, is, is one of these companies that, again, coming out of the quarter, it's not a surprise that actually with sentiment being uh, so much growth, high multiple, um, could it do it? And, in fact, going into that print, they really outperformed. I am not chasing it here. I do think that you're going to see the market pay attention to higher multiple stocks when we get into this earnings season. And Lulu and discretionary, I think, are the first place they're going to push back on. That chart, I mean, Carter can probably speak to just, you know, what do you do with a chart that gaps that high? Doesn't it need to backfill? Uh, you know, something. It's got to do something. Carter? I think that's exactly right. And remember, this is just the equal and opposite action of the prior quarter. The prior quarter was a big miss. This is a Wall Street darling and high multiple and dropped about 12, 13 percent this quarter. It beat and it went up 14 percent, leaving it basically unsure where it was 
when the last time trouble came, I think it's full. And you'll note that it hasn't moved since that gap up. It's been pinned here. Take, take profits. All right. Up next, small cap concerns. Why our next guest trader sees some trouble brewing in the group. Option Act, options action is back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Small caps having a rough couple of months. The Russell 2000 underperforming the broader market and on pace for its second negative month in a row. Our next guest has a way to play the group if you think the small cap carnage will continue. Kelly Intelligence CEO Kevin Kelly joins us now. Lay out a trade. Hi, Kevin. What's your trade? Hi, Tyler. Well, yeah, if you look at the Russell 2000 this year, all of its gains have been roughly today. I mean, the, the index is up 2.32% this year, and today was up 1.85%. So investors need to ask themselves, why, why is it underperforming technology? And the reason why is it's got a weaker composition. So if you look at the Russell 2000 index, it's comprised 15% of financials and 15% into healthcare. And these aren't necessarily the healthcare and financial companies you want to be in. They're in, they're in the smaller cap <laughs> names. And so the issue that you have here is that your exposure is not great. And when you take a step back and you look at the Russell 2000, its PE is 31. And if you look at the NASDAQ 100, that PE is 29. And it's considerably more quality names uh, that could fair weather in a lot of different economic scenarios. And I think another thing that to look at when, you, when you're looking at the Russell 2000, it's got weaker technicals, right? So uh, if you look at the weekly uh, chart and technicals in the IWM, the Russell 2000 ETF, it, it's very weak. And so the VIX alone in the Russell 2000 is 31. And so it's considerably higher than the overall market. And so so I think the best way to play this is going out into June. And what you want to do is you want to purchase a June 16th, 2023, 177.165 put spread. It's a $12 spread. Um, it's going to cost you about $3.40. You can make two and a half times your money. It protects you through earnings season and through this great April that everyone talks about historically and given the, the performance of the year. So it, it protects you through that into May and June, which could be uh, choppier times ahead for the Russell 2000. All right. Interesting strategy there. Uh, Kevin, Mike, your take on this trade, a put spread on the Russell. Well, I own put spreads on SPX, so I must have at least some alignment. You know, there is, I think, a myth that goes on uh, people think that you're rewarded for getting into small caps over large caps, but take a look at the performance of IWM versus something like SPY, for example, over the course of the last five years. It's lagged by something like 40% on a total return basis. Uh, you aren't really rewarded for the risk you're taking in IWM, and I think put spreads are a way to mitigate the cost of buying downside if you're inclined to bet that way. Carter? Well, you heard it. I mean, Kevin's made the critical point of just how poorly it acts relative to the overall market. We're almost back to the COVID lows on a relative basis. But here's the thing that also, and there's no way around this, the total market cap of the 1920 stocks or thereabout in the Russell 2000 is 2.77 trillion. Apple is 2.6. The whole thing, <laughs> does it matter? Does it matter for the market? It matters if you own them. But again, the entire Russell 2000 adds up to Apple. 
Tim, final thought on this one. Uh, IWM has spoken over the last couple of years. It's underperformed the S&P by 22%. It is, to me, the ultimate barometer for growth. In fact, this would be my hedge to a long EEM position. And they correlate very highly, especially in a world where if you want growth, EM is going to outperform. Kevin, final quick thought to you. Yeah, the final thought is uh, it's a, this is the short duration protects you into the summertime where you're, you see most of the volatility in the IWM anyways. All right, Kevin, thanks very much for your time tonight. We appreciate it. And up next, your tweets and a final call. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some of your tweets. Our first fan asks, what do you think of United Health 480 call options expiring April 21? Do you think there's a probability of it hitting $500? Earnings due April 14th. Carter, what do you think? I like that bet. So UNH closed out today at 472, spot 59. Uh, the April 480s went out at $8.75. So a 2% move plus and you're in the money. I think you've got a good bet. All righty. Our next tweet asks, how do you feel about Gilead calls for June 16th at the 82.50 strike? Uh, calls have been outpacing puts this week by a pretty significant margin. Tim, what say you? Well, Gilead, first of all, they, they, their last quarter was a really solid quarter. The diversification of the base into oncology and some of the other businesses is part of the story that makes this really exciting. They announced that Immunogen deal, I don't know, a couple months ago. Stock whipped straight up, re-rated up to around those levels, around 85, 86, which makes that call level out to June something that, you know, the question is, uh, do you want to pay a premium to actually own the stock here? I, I, I think the stock looks like it could correct a bit. And again, we've got earnings coming up April 26th. I'd probably be waiting on that, uh, right. but I'd like the company. One more quickie. What are your thoughts on Halliburton? 33 May 29th calls premises. They'll be announcing earnings in late April and there could be some upside. Mike, quick thought. Yeah, pulled back to an attractive level. You heard us at the top of the show saying we like oil, so I like those. All right. We got it's time now for our final calls. And Carter, you get to lead the way here, sir. You bet. Oh, as the expression goes, you ain't seen nothing yet. All righty. Uh, Tim, you're next. You know, twos and Qs, as they say, but as long as the triple Qs are outperforming the spies, this market's going to continue to creep higher. And I think the positioning and watch that dollar, that's really your barometer. All right, Mike, you get the final call tonight. Yeah, upside call options in the S&P are a cheap way if you're going to try to chase here. Well, it's been one. Thank you guys very much for having me. Uh, and thank you for watching Options Action. Uh, it's been a heck of a first quarter. The next one starts on Monday. Here we We're go. off next Friday, back April 14th. See ya. Mad Money. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.